Uh, hi everybody, this is Ryan, and um, this is a weird episode for me, and uh, it's probably going to be a weird episode for you. It's probably going to be a little difficult to listen to, um, but whether you knew or not, I, I want you to hear these um, these words and thoughts and feelings about uh, Alicia Cardenas. Uh, on December 27th, 2021, um, she was shot and killed in her studio in Denver, Colorado, uh, along with her co-worker, Alyssa Gunn Maldonado, and her husband James was also shot. Um, he survived the attack, and there were... There were other victims that night, and uh, eventually the the attacker was shot and killed by the police. And um, you know, you can read about those details on the news, but I, I think a lot of us that night and the next morning, and whenever we heard about it, especially those of us who who knew her personally, uh, who who were affected by her, uh, were really devastated. By that kind of news, um, and I I didn't know how to process it. I still don't know how to process it. So um, I'm sure it's difficult for you too if you knew her uh, a little or a lot. This is um, something that you can't really be prepared for. So I didn't know how to really process my own grief. I had. Yeah, I, I mean, complicated is is uh, an overstatement for our relationship. We were friends, and uh, we hadn't talked in a good long while since you know before COVID popped off. And the last time we talked, um, I she she chewed me out a little bit, uh, probably deservedly, you know. Um, but that was the last we had really interacted. It was uh, late 2019, and uh, we hadn't talked. Um, and then, you know, you get this news and you just don't know how to process it. So I thought, uh, one thing I could do would be to, um, make a podcast and not just yammer on myself. That's not what the episode is. I promise. Um, I wanted to share how other people were affected by Alicia. So, um, I talked to Casey who was uh, Alicia's studio manager and is Alicia's studio manager. And before, uh, before that was uh, Alicia's apprentice. Casey gave me some, um, some thoughts on who I should talk to, who I should invite to, to come onto the show. And um, I got a lot of uh, clips that were difficult to, to listen to and, and process and, and put into an episode, but are, are beautiful and uh, I, I'm really happy that I can share them with you and just show you how many people uh, loved and cared for Alicia. And um, if you weren't one of the people that I that I reached out to and, and invited on the show, like just know that it's it would be impossible to include everyone who cared about her, who were affected by her, because she touched so many people and, and she made such a huge impact on this industry. So I invited a small group of people. And if you have a memory, if you have a story about Alicia, 
uh, it's important to share that um, with the people in your lives, the people in your studios. You meet new piercers, you want to tell them about Alicia and how amazing she was and uh, all the things she did that, that will be felt in, in our industry, but also our community and uh, all of our lives uh, for a long time. So, um, uh, I'm going to tell a short story and then I'm going to just play you, um, some submissions. Um, my, my first year at, at the APP conference was 2002. And I was one of those like sit in the back row, don't talk to anybody kind of terrified, um, uh, imposter syndrome type, uh, type kids at conference. And after one of my, my first classes, I was just sitting by myself, just trying to process it and, you know, had my mind blown and really was encountered with the fact that I didn't know what I was doing. And, um, and then this lady just came and sat down right next to me and was like, Hey, how's it going? My name's Alicia. Uh, what's your name? Where are you from? Is this your first conference? And just like adopted me, uh, and, and just started talking to me and, and made sure that I connected with somebody at conference and made sure that I had, um, someone to meet and someone to talk to and, and, uh, flash forward like many, many years. And, um, one of the biggest like accomplishments I think in my career was, you know, I got to teach a class with Alicia at conference. Uh, and it was, it was awesome. So there's more to it. And uh, I'll maybe talk a little bit more later on in the episode, but, uh, for now I just want to get into, um, some of these beautiful submissions that were uh, sent in to me. So the, the first group, and there are, there are a lot of them. So, you know, strap in, <laughs> get ready to cry, get a box of Kleenex. Um, all right. So the first group of, uh, messages I'm going to play will be Beth Rasumsky, Eduardo Chavarria, Amanda Waters, Mira Hernandez, and then, just so you're not surprised by it, I am going to put in the uh, the interviews I did with Alicia back in 2016. At the time, I had absolutely no idea how to do a podcast, which is why uh, all of them were 15 minutes because I was using a free program and that was the maximum recording time. So uh, there are three different interviews I have with Alicia from 2016. I originally published them uh, for episode nine of the, the podcast. So they're going to be mixed in there. Um, so just be, uh, be ready for it. Okay. So let's start, uh, let's start listening to these memories. So this is Beth Rasumsky. Um, and I am laying in bed and I'm trying to get my thoughts together to talk about Alicia. Um, it's late past my bedtime and uh, you know I'm 50 and I've lost I've had some really really rough losses Um, and so I'm not a stranger to the process of shock or mourning or sorrow um but this one was really hard you know I had a really complicated relationship with Alicia 
and there were a lot of things, you know, that I think we just sort of mutually didn't discuss because we, our relationship was amicable and we were, understood each other well and, um, and there was a huge amount of love there. Um, but there were things definitely that were left unsaid. Uh, and I think we both knew that once those things were said, it, we weren't maybe going to be okay after that. I don't, I don't really know why those conversations ever happened, but they didn't and they won't. Um, but what I can say is that uh, the feeling that I had when I f- found out what had happened uh, to Alicia and to Alyssa and to James was kind of the feeling of the rending of flesh like some terrible excruciating shock I don't know how else to put it that's what it felt like like some bit of me was being cut away And, um, on so many levels, like, you know, that she was a mother and, you know, somebody killed her on purpose, like on purpose for who she specifically was and what she specifically stood for. And that made it much harder. That made it harder. That made it harder to, to, I don't know, it made it really harder. And I still, you know, when I try and get my head around that, I still kind of, can't like there's still some kind of like brain shutdown that happens um when I try to make myself understand that um you know I think I mean I know the mourning processes for the living because, you know, the dead are gone and and past that kind of consideration. Um, and I, I, I was just overwhelmed and I still am when I think about it when I go back to this space. 
with all these memories, it was like this movie that played itself in reverse, you know, all these experiences that we'd had together and all these moments, good and bad and happy and sad and together and not together, competitive and and symbiotic and oh, just all of this stuff. And I remember things that, you know, made made me mad about her and and I remembered um, all these beautiful things to all these beautiful things that she did. All these quiet, clever, intuitive, loving things that I witnessed her do. And for me, sometimes, too, you know, when Josh died, there was a board meeting going on in Atlanta, and and that I was a wreck. I was a complete basket case wreck. And the next day, or the day after, I can't remember, it was in the days, in the days after, she just came, they came, the whole board came. And I know it was her idea to do that. And they just brought food. They just brought food. And we talked about anything and everything and nothing. And there was no pressure. There was no, you know, it was just, they were just coming to be present. And that was her. That was her energy. That was her understanding of what was needed and what was the the next loving thing to do in that moment and um you know i i'm at a loss you know i i i've i have felt like it's important for me um to consider um, all of the things about someone and not remember just sort of an an either, you know, not remember as them as the greatest person or the worst person or the this person that they were just sort of this whole being. And, um, and so I've been really... Uh, making my decisions about how to, what story about her I will hold in my head and my heart moving forward. I just thought, man, what a fucking badass. What a beautiful jerk. What a fucking amazing human. And, um, and what a not sugar coater of anything. What a straight talker. And, uh, and wow, what a blessing to have known her. 
and to be sharing all that stuff with her and you know that's all I got Hi, this is Eduardo Chavarria Safe Harbor Body Adornment, Westchester, Pennsylvania My relationship to Alicia Cardenas was close friend She was a mentor She was a sister She was a spiritual leader and a teacher. I have too many stories to tell about us, all of them amazing. We were all so lucky to to have her in our lives. I can't imagine what everybody that was lucky enough to have her on a daily life must have gone through. The story I think I want to share is the story of first meeting Alicia. I met Alicia at my very first conference in 2001 in APP, Las Vegas. And if I recall correctly, this was uh, the first year that it was at the Tropicana, previous to going to the Riviera. And in all the years and all the teachings, the one thing that, that really stuck with me the most was her taking me to dinner, excited to meet another Latino piercer apprentice at the time and um, she really she really helped me identify with myself and helped me find a pride in my heritage and background that that I just didn't have and that hadn't really been taught to me in uh, in particular with piercing um, just knowing and, and, and teaching me and, and show me to own that, that what I do for a living is something that my ancestors did as part of their lives and lifestyle, as part of their identity. Um, that's always, always held a really big spot in my heart because it really helped me get to know myself a little bit better. Uh, Alicia taught me so much about ceremony and ritual and just living life in a spiritual path. Saying I miss her is never going to be enough. I'll miss her laugh, her accent, the way she used to poke fun Knowing that she knew when to be serious and when to be playful was just a really awesome personality trait of hers. Ryan, thanks for uh, putting this little bit together to try and to maintain a memory of somebody that was just taken too soon and someone that really did make an impact on so many people's lives. Alicia? I know you hate that this is happening and that you're getting so much attention, but I think it's the only way we know how to say that we love and miss you. Wherever you're at, rest in power. Aho, amatakuyase, my sister. Blessings. My name is Amanda Waters. I live in Tampa, Florida, and I work at a studio called Heritage Tattoo. 
I wanted to tell a story today about my friend Alicia, whom I met at the Association of Professional Piercers Conference in 2006. So after meeting Alicia in 2006, who at the time was the president uh, of the association, we quickly established that we were both from Colorado and had started our bond right there. Um, it was about 2015, 2016. She asked me to come and work for her. She needed a little extra help. And of course, I was very honored to accept that position to help her, uh, especially for all the things she'd done throughout the years for me. Um, I will say this is probably one of my most embarrassing moments as a piercer. Now, in hindsight, it's more of just a lesson. Uh, but at the time, I was very embarrassed. Um, so I was working for Alicia. It was one Monday afternoon. Um, a client had come in, got her trigus pierced there, and she just wanted to switch out the top to something different. Uh, so I talked to the client. We pick out a new top for her. I take her back to the piercing area. I get everything set up with the hemostats, get my gloves on, go to switch out the top. Um, happened to accidentally drop the new top that she had picked out into her ear, and it had gone down her ear canal because the way that her head was tilted. And so at that moment in time, I'm like, well... Let's see if we can turn your head to the opposite direction and see if we can't wiggle that out of there a bit. Had her tilt in the opposite direction. Of course, nothing changed. Looked back in her ear and couldn't see anything. At that moment in time, of course, we both had a little bit of panic in us. And I calmly told the client, give me just a few moments and I'll be right back. I stepped out of the room. I grabbed Alicia, let her know what's going on. Alicia says, okay, so if you had her try to tilt her head in the opposite direction... Yeah, of course. And then she tells me, okay, so have you tried water? I'm looking at her with complete and utter confusion. And when I actually come to the realization of what she means, I was like, well, no. Has it actually worked? And she's like, well, it could help the jewelry float to the top of the ear at the very least. Go back into the piercing room, grab the Nalgene bottle with distilled water, spray a little bit into the client's ear, Obviously, let her know, like, hey, I'm going to put some water in your ear for a moment. Put the water in the ear. And, of course, <laughs> I'll be damned. That piece of jewelry came right to the top, just as Alicia said. So hopefully, in the name of forever learning, uh, this is something that you guys can carry on with you. And if you're ever in this situation, you can utilize this information that Alicia passed on to me. Rest in power, my friend. Hi, my name is Mito Hernandez. Like many, uh, waking up to the news of the senseless tragedy that took Alicia's life, it was something that definitely took me aback, and it's something you don't ever expect. You hear about mass shootings and gun violence across the U.S. on a regular basis, but you don't ever expect it to be somebody that you know, much less somebody that you've considered a dear friend and a sister for years on end. Alicia had a very special gift to her, she was special to many of us in many different ways. She, uh, If she found something that she could connect with you on, she would really, really try to connect with you. And if she wanted to be your friend, she was very, very adamant that it was going to happen. Uh, and that's kind of where the relationship that Alicia and I had and the way it blossomed in, over the years. Uh, as a younger piercer in the industry, uh, first starting off, it, was, it wasn't really, really common to see a lot of piercers that looked like me. And when I say look like me, I mean like they were, they were brown. Uh, and not only was Alicia brown, but she was a woman. And she was very, very unapologetic about it. And she was fierce. And she was brazen. And she carried it well. 
Uh, she was larger than life. Uh, and I automatically also knew that I wanted to be her friend uh, the, from the moment that I met her. Uh, the piercing industry is really, really funny in ways in that some of your people that you look up to over the years, they can become not only your idols or your mentors, but they can become very dear friends of yours. And that's exactly what happened with Alicia and I over the years. Uh, we had a connection, and for us, our connection was a lot more deeper than the superficial. We're just piercers. Uh, we were brown piercers, and we also understood and knew that we were carrying on ritual and culture uh, that, that has been passed down to us uh, from our ancestors. And that was where a lot of our relationship really, really blossomed was that we both had a very, very deep honor and respect for what it was that we did and the reasons that we did it. Uh, Alicia would be uh, your biggest cheerleader once uh, once she knew that she was your friend and she knew that she was somebody that uh, she really, really wanted to be a part of your life. She made it a point to keep connected with you. Uh, she had this sense. She could tell that if there was some something off about you, she would reach out to you. Uh, and even if there wasn't something off, it was very, very common to get a random message just saying, hey, I love you. Uh, and it was always really, really great seeing those messages from her. Uh, one of my favorite memories that I had with her over the years was we were just talking on the phone one day, just randomly catching up. And she's like, hey, you know, John Leguizamo is going to be in your city soon uh, for the Latin History of the Americas for Morons tour. Uh, and I was aware that it was happening and I originally had no intents on going, uh, but she brought it up and she's like, he's not going to be in many cities across the U S it's coming up soon. And I really want to see it. Uh, I was like, cool, well, let's make it happen. And she was like, yep, we're going to go ahead and we're going to make a bestie weekend out of this. And we are going to have a grand time. Uh, she, next day she hits me up. She sends me all her flight information. And part of our agreement was if she flew that I was going to buy, uh, so we bought our tickets, and two weeks later, she shows up. I pick her up from the airport, uh, and we have an amazing weekend seeing John Leguizamo. I'm able to show her my city and everything that I love about it. Then I'm able to show her my studio. Uh, and having someone like Alicia come into my studio was a huge honor to begin with because, you know, she she is a very, very big part of the piercing industry's history. Uh, she was a trailblazer. She was a pioneer. And to have somebody of her stature in my studio was absolutely amazing. And it was such an honor and a privilege uh, for her to look around our studio and ask questions and get ideas. Uh, it was it, it was kind of mind-blowing because you have someone who who paved the way for a lot of us. And here she is looking to someone who once idolized her. Uh, for advice on things that she could do in her studio that was a little different. Uh, and that was kind of the way Alicia was with everybody. She really, really embraced uh, knowledge and teaching and respect. Uh, and she carried that not only in body piercing, but she carried that philosophy throughout her life. She was larger than life. She impacted her community in many different ways. And when I say community, I mean collective communities. Uh, it wasn't only the piercing community that she affected, but she also had a very, very big grasp on her local community in Denver, her artist community, her indigenous community. Uh, she was very, very special to many different people. Uh, and she has a very, very strong legacy for many of us to try to carry on and live up to. 
Uh, she will be very, very deeply missed. Uh, and I don't think it's often in life that we encounter people like Alicia. Uh, and I'm very, very fortunate to have had the opportunity to not only have called her a friend, but to have somebody so charismatic and enigmatic in my life. She will forever have changed me. Uh, and the way that not only that I approach body piercing, but the way that I try to live life on a daily basis. Uh, she will be missed dearly. Thank you for everything, Alicia. Hi, everybody. This is Ryan Willett from Precision Body Arts in Nashua, New Hampshire, with another Piercing Wizard podcast. And our last ones were such a good conversation that I had to invite her back one more time. I have Alicia Cardenas of Soul Tribe in Denver, Colorado. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Alicia. Hi, I'm Alicia. I have Soul Tribe in Denver um, and Twisted Soul before that since 1997. And I've worked on the APP board. I've volunteered for the APP, and I'm a super proud member. So... um, Alicia and I had kind of a, a, a professional relationship for a long time, but I, I, I don't think we really broke the, the friendship barrier until a few years ago when we actually had a debate about scarification and what place body art has as spiritual or as a professional service. So I feel like we are definitely two sides to the same coin on an issue like this where uh, I approach something as... Uh, really just as a as a professional service. I go into it focusing on cleanliness and aesthetics and jewelry quality and, and things like that. And I, uh, I feel like you kind of go at it from more of a, a, a spiritual kind of place. And where do you feel like the balance is in, in the modern industry for those for those issues? Oh, wow. Um, yes, I would agree with that. I think that you and I approach things really different. But I do think that it is I, – I try to mix in that uh, professionalism so that somebody's getting a professional service alongside of all this other stuff. Um, and um, I think there's a place for both of it. I think there's absolutely a need in, uh, for both of it. You know, there's going to be people who come to you who just want this really cut-and-dry service. Um, they want it to be as as predictable and dictatable as possible, and and you are able to provide that impressively. Um, but – I uh, I find people who find me tend to go for an experiential type thing where I am, I impress upon them that they need to stay very loose about the outcome because it really isn't up it, it's up to us to a point and everything after that is you know we just have to really see the whole picture what was gained from the whole experience um, the healing and then um, of course trying to meet their visual goals. But probably not as 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 um, as stuck in that part of it as in accomplishing what often is a, another layer. So for me, I, I've had people come in where <clears throat> I can tell that they they're looking for some sort of a, a ritual or emotionally fulfilling experience, and I I absolutely feel lacking in that department. I I have tried, um, and I feel like it's just someone doing a bad impression of what someone like you can do with someone. I don't, I don't feel um, a, a, an energy kind of connection with people when I, when I pierce. And I'm not trying to say that a, a, as a deficiency where you have to have that connection to someone as a piercer, but I don't really feel an emotional connection to someone because we're, we're performing a piercing uh, together. It, sometimes 
I feel a, a connection to a, a, a person on an individual level where I can say, all right, you know, we, we share some sort of common bond or an opinion or something and we can have a conversation. But um, I, I really don't feel like it's my strength to offer someone ritual if if that's what they're looking for. And I don't necessarily mean lighting incense and having a drum going in the background, but I, I feel like if, if people walk into my studio expecting more than a quality piercing, I, I, my door might not be the best one for them to walk through, really. I, you know, Ryan, I mean, here's here's how it is for me. It's like you understand, even in your clinical approach, the exchange of energy. All that comes down to is, is energy exchange. And I think that people come to the right person for the energy exchange that they're looking for. Yours doesn't have an emotional side. A lot of people aren't looking for that emotional side. They just want the exchange and they want to have that energy uh, awakened in them. And so I, by all means, consider ritual to be more rounded than maybe others might think. Oh, I very rarely have drummers in my shop and we do do incense, but that's usually because there's stinky tattooers and I live in Colorado. You know, so I, I think. Can I just say that it's adorable that you have a part time drummer? For your studio? <laughs> anyway, l- the, my point is is that uh, ritual is all different sorts. And you're, a prof- you know, just because you approach it differently doesn't mean the same job isn't being done. And, and that there isn't movement that's happening. Because it is about energy. And it's not about emotionality. Sometimes emotions come into play. And sometimes um, other types of things come into play. But moreover, it's all a really, we're doing the same work. We're doing it. We're doing magic in different ways. Um, and you joke about the wizard thing, but you know, like, um, I do believe that there's people who master their art and that they can become on a level where they are able to do their job in a way that no other person is able to do their job. And they are called wizards or masters or whatever. And so I do believe that what we do is magic. You don't have to believe that. But I know that there's an energy exchange happening because I've seen the work that you do and I've seen the happiness and the and, and the comes out of the work that you do um, with scarification. I have people who are a little bit more obvious about it. They're like, I have this issue and I want to work it out this way. And I often ask that stuff because I'm not going to spend four hours of my life giving, you know, a lot of energy to a project where I'm not in some way knowing that I'm serving the greater good of this human. You know? Well, for, for piercing, I, I would definitely say that I've, I've felt a connection to people on a few occasions. It's it's definitely not a, a, a very common thing for me, but I've I've had clients come in and um you know they, it started out as just the regular interaction that you'd have with with almost any client you know release forms and choosing jewelry and sterilizing and cleaning and marking and all that. But then I've had that those moments where you you kind of lock eyes to someone or you know they they say something they communicate something with you where you you realize that they're not just here for aesthetic reasons. You know this is important to them and. You know, sometimes it resonates with me. Sometimes it doesn't resonate with me. I've had people come in and say, you know, I I just finalized my divorce. I want to get this new sexy piercing. And I'd be like, that's great. You know, I'm I'm glad that I can be part of that, you know, for you to kind of reclaim a big part of your life and and to be independent. And I'm glad that I can be here with you for that. I've had other people who have said, I want to get this, you know, genital piercing or nipple piercing as a way to kind of reclaim a part of my body that I've that I've felt uncomfortable with in the past. And those those situations, you know, I I feel something in the room other than uh, you know me getting money, them getting jewelry. I, I feel something, but 
uh, it's definitely not something that I can switch on. Uh, you know, I, I feel like if people come in expecting that experience, I, I probably won't be able to, to offer it to them. But if it happens organically during the experience and they leave with a big smile on their face more than just seeing a cool piercing when they look in the mirror, um, that makes me feel good. But I, I don't necessarily have a, an, an outward... Uh, spirituality to to the way I work. Well, but here's the thing. At its base core root in history of humans on this planet, body piercing is a spiritual ritual act. So even taking out all of that part of it, the act of pulling, pushing something through somebody and getting blood out of it is as ancient and as ritualistic and as, you know, um, as it gets, you know, so even, uh, you, I, my theory about body piercing, specifically practitioners and their art form, their medicine, as I would call it, that they bring to the world is, um, is actually what's attracting people to them. So I believe that the people who come to you, Ryan, come to you for what you give, um, whether it be total stillness and quiet or a stoic, I'm in charge, you know, I'm going to handle this alpha or whatever it is that they're getting from you is what you, you know, you've put out there and, and there's a reciprocal relationship happening there. Um, I think I even rejected one of your clients once because he was so overly analytical, but asking all the wrong questions. And I was like, maybe you should go to Ryan. Like if you're going to fly somewhere for this, like Ryan's the better fit for you. You know, I'm not going to, show you a drawing of what it's going to look like afterwards. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these things are too far off of for me. Like I, I'm here to cut you open, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and, and often that's what I do. Um, and I prefer to do more simple designs. Like you're more elaborate and more detail oriented. I like to do stuff that makes marks that you can see from a half a block away. Like that's my aesthetic. You know? For, for the people listening to this, that, that, are a little bit confused. We're, we're kind of talking a little bit about piercing, but also a little bit about scarification. Both of us perform scarification. I wouldn't say it's our, our primary service at all. Um, where, you know, when we walk through the door at work, you know, I'm, I'm a body piercer. Um, I know Alicia, you've moved a lot more into tattooing in the last few years, but you know, I think, I think we're both really body piercers. Um, and I, you know, I have a lot of people coming to me specifically for appointments and for big stuff and for exotic stuff and for people who are looking for ritual. And that's really who I'm lucky and based and give and get to work on now, you know. But I have to tell you, Ryan, I turn a lot of people away, too, because I want people to have the right person for the job. And that's where I'm really committed because I see when I can't make that connection with people and I see that they're wanting something that I can't give. And I, I think that being a real bona fide professional means being able to um, to do that, you know? Yeah, I, I, you know, for anyone listening where if you're kind of a newer piercer or even if you're listening to this from the client perspective, you know, it, it's really important to have the right match. So even if somebody walks in the door and you give them a great piercing, um, they might walk out feeling like they didn't really get what they, maybe not necessarily what they wanted, but what they, they needed. You know, they might walk out feeling a little bit lacking if they didn't have some sort of a connection with the person, whether it was having a conversation or, you know, getting a smile out of someone or, you know, making a friend out of it. You know, a lot of people who go in for tattoos or piercings end up creating friendships with the people who work in those studios. And if that's not your comfort zone, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're just kind of open and you can see that sometimes people are looking for something other than what your primary service is, you know. So if you're a body piercer, 
um, realize that sometimes a, a little bit of therapist can kind of come into that. You know, part of what people do for body piercing can be therapy where they want to walk in and they want to kind of get out frustration or get out anxiety or, or get out whatever they, they want to get out, you know, energy, like, like Alicia says, you know, whether you have incense or drums or not, um, it can be therapeutic for people. It can be really relaxing for, for people to have these kinds of experiences. And, you know, whether you're um, like a cyber goth or, or whether you're like a super hippy dippy person, you're part of someone's life after you perform these services on them. Yeah. Yeah, and you have to remember that, you know, we have all, as, as ancient times have told, like, these people, people who do this type of work, the work that we do, anything that in, is in and around blood, um, have all been sacred people, like, have been people who have that ability to have empathy, that are connected to other humans, that are available for that. And sometimes that availability comes in the form of complete silence, and we know that that's the right thing for them, too. And so I think that people overestimate, like, this spirituality aspect to being some kind of song and dance when it really is sometimes just knowing when to be quiet and knowing when to put your hand on someone's shoulder and 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 really shaking them in and on the hand and looking them in the eye and making sure that this is the right thing for them like those other humanity levels that we add to it that's what makes this art this a craft and art you know what i mean and like yeah. you and i we get to explore other levels of this art because we've been doing it for a long time and we're spending more time cutting doing a scarification um than doing a body piercing and we get to discover new levels of this but i just don't want you to discount ryan that you are doing the work it's just the people who are coming to you are asking for a certain vibration the people who are coming to me are asking for a different vibration and you're giving the exactly what they need you know, I have, well, I, I feel the vibration as Marky Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Sorry, stay tuned. We're going to do a seance. <laughs> um, I actually have to go soon because I have a load of sarongs in the dryer that I have to get out. Right, absolutely. Um, so I, this is probably a good place to wrap it up before we start really getting into like existential topics. But uh, I just want to say thanks again for uh, putting up with me and, and dealing with another Piercing Wizard podcast. Uh, this is Ryan Willette, and with me today was Alicia Cardina. You're a wizard! You're a shaman. <laughs> uh, you, hanging in there? you hanging in there with me, buddy? Um, it's funny, but... Uh, Arguing about scarification has come up quite a bit um, in our in our friendship, um, and uh, that's that's kind of what that's kind of what turned us from just like colleagues, like yeah, you're you're that person from conference into like you know, I've got your number, I can text you, I can call you uh, if I have a question or if I just want to yell at you over something, and um, yeah. I guess in some sort of like self-abusive way, I'm going to miss getting, uh, getting yelled at by her. Um, so I've got more submissions for you. Uh, next up is going to be Ismael Vargas Guerrero, uh, then Vivi Madero, Jeff Saunders, Gigi Gitz, Jason King, and then we're going to be back to hearing from Alicia about just a chill topic um racism and sexism in in uh, in the industry uh, uh another memory i have and this is like this was when i was just like you know another person at, at conference and 
I didn't really know some of the political goings on and, and power struggles and this and that. And it was uh, heading into, I don't know if it was opening party or if it was banquet night or it's got to be opening party because there was like all kinds of ridiculous like bullshit activities and entertainment and, and stuff like that. And I I'd started to notice that there were like people there dressed in clown outfits. And I was like, did I, did I miss a memo or something? And then somebody started to tell me like some of the hot gossip was that there was like a faction of like, if you think that piercers have their head up their ass right now on Facebook, like, Oh my God, you missed the late nineties, early two thousands piercers because like they had head up your ass, like as an art form, you know, myself (laughs) included, but there was like a faction of piercers that were like, upset at APP leadership. And I'm pretty sure Alicia was APP president at the time. And they knew that Alicia was like mortally terrified of clowns. Like, I don't, I forget what it's called. There's like a something, something phobia name for it, but she was afraid of clowns. And, um, so they all decided to be like super edgy <laughs> and dress like fucking clowns. Um, uh, to the opening party to make Alicia uncomfortable, I guess. I don't know. And, um, then, like, out of nowhere, uh, Alicia showed up dressed like a fucking clown, like in a clown suit, like big polka dot pants and like a red, big red nose and stuff. And it was just kind of like her dig to just be like, oh, no, fuck you. And it was just um, it was great. I mean, if, if somebody heard some of that story in the wrong context, they'd probably be like, they all sound like assholes. But like it was like it was it was a funny and endearing asshole moment. So. Um, let's go ahead and get into these, uh, these next submissions. My name is Ismail, and I'm uh, currently a piercer in Worcester, Massachusetts. I always believe, since I know her, that Alicia, she always comes into your life. <laughs> um, she, has, she always had her own strong way to get in your life. But as strong as he was, he was always gentle. He was always eye to eye. She always had something to say and an opinion. But it always came from her believings in her heart. <laughs> she helped me to improve my career and as a person. <laughs> as funny as he can sound, we used to make fun of each other. For being dirty, <laughs> for not taking care of ourselves. <laughs> she made me take breaks while working. <laughs> uh, one day I show up uh, to the shop on on my day off at opening time, and she was like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> and I told her, mm, "I don't know what to do with my free time." And she started laughing, and she's like, "Baby, I get it." But I don't want to see you here. <laughs> Go enjoy your life. There's more than work. And she sure did. She did everything she wanted. When she wanted. She write. She speak. She teach. She paints. She sing. She dance. She drink. She was a mom. A partner. An entrepreneur. A dreamer. A traveler. <laughs> I will lie if I don't say that I miss her so much every day since I have to move from there. 
that when we talk, she was uh, a pillar on my life. She was what I used to go when I felt bad. And as sad as this can be, that was the first thing I said. Now, now what I'm going to do? And then I realized uh, she always showed me what to do. She built this strong community around her. I remember we used to joke a lot about our debts. Like what we're we gonna do <laughs> when the other wasn't around. We always came back and forth. I'm gonna hate you so much if you leave me for, you know? But when it's a reality, it's different. It's different because you understand everything that you had as a memory. It can become something that hurt you. <laughs> but, but life keeps going. She always say that. That's life. I hope in my heart that everybody that has the chance to know her or even know her, like she used to say, do your damn research. Know the people who's not here. That will make her proud. Know your roots. Speak your truth. And have fun. The best we can do to honor her, is live this life the way she lived it. Doing everything we want to do. And do it with the heart. Because that's the most beautiful thing I learned from her. Do everything from the heart. Don't expect anything. Just do it because you want to do it. If you don't want to do it, don't. <laughs> I remember that. As easy as that. She always told me stuff like that. You don't have to say yes to everything. This was this one time she picked me up from the airport and asked me about a tracing I did. And I was like, I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't do it. <laughs> She's like, you did, and she showed me a picture. And I explained to her I did it because the client wanted. And we had this strong conversation about just not to do stuff because they want it, because we are the professionals. And to top it up, she put me a, on a one-on-one conversation with a lane angel about that. <laughs> she was that person. She was always her strong ways to help. She picked you up and never put you down. She always put you eye to eye. She always want you to do better. She didn't get anything out of it. She just want everybody to get there. To a place she was probably already at. She want everybody to be there. <laughs> She's strong. Was this a strong hurricane? With the winds blowing everywhere. But she always know how to blow the wind you needed. To pick you up. And trying to find ways 
to fill the void. It's hard because you realize, or I realize, how the, how she did it. <laughs> I think I need 10 minutes to do the things she did, but she managed. I think we all can. Doing this thing today about speaking, I wonder how she did it all the time. <laughs> she make it look so easy. And I've been doing this thing over 50 times on the last four days, just to find the words, just to honor her and honor everybody who's listening to this. To let you know that no matter what, we're a strong community. And in the language, because she breaks those barriers too, she went to Mexico and helped build an association with any other intention more than learning and sharing. And I think we all can do that. We all can do things for each other. As hard as I've been battling these tears, they have to come out. I want to share this chance to share a little card that I find out I have from her. And I think these are the words that I want to give her back. And they say gracias. Gracias por un gran año. Eres mi corazón. Y gracias por toda la experiencia contigo. Te amo. I hope you all find ways to keep going. And remember that we have each other. I love you all, and I hope your lives are full of light, love, and every step on this journey. Remember that you're not alone. Hi, my name is Vivi, and I am going to talk about a story about Alicia that probably most people don't know about. Um, my community, El Paso, Texas, was affected as well. It was, we were targeted by an outsider that did not understand our culture and did not understand us and came to hurt us. And he did. He sadly lost 24 lives at a Walmart. And um, our community was shaken up. We had never dealt with anything like this before. So, um, we wanted to do a fundraiser for the families. So we contacted companies and we contacted piercers if anyone had any jewelry that we can buy from them for we can sell and contribute to, to these families that lost loved ones. And um, I had a package randomly and it was from Alicia. She sent me jewelry. I texted her right away and asked her, what can I do? Is there, how much do I owe you? You know, I don't want to take this for free. And she told me, this is for you. This is for a great cause that you're doing and for your community. You need this, they need you. And I cried, I, I couldn't, I wasn't expecting that. And 
that's the kind of person she was. She, she helped people in her own way and she would surely be missed. Uh, this is my draft for Ryan's podcast, uh, Remembering Alicia. Uh, I will start in one second. And if the levels or anything are wrong, just send it back to me. <clears throat> Excuse me. Getting over a cold. And I will re-record. Right. I knew Alicia and respected her uh, for several years before we actually had a chance to collaborate in a class together. Uh, when I first started writing uh, my blog entries about nostril piercings, we... Uh, communicating, we decided to work together on my actually my very first lecture class at the APP conference, um, and uh, what an amazing experience this was. Uh, we really got a chance to know each other, uh, but I, I really saw her as a mentor, um, and she really taught me so much about what was important in education, uh, connecting with an audience, uh, lifting people up. Uh, these are lessons that I've tried to uh, learn and follow from that point forth. Uh, I cannot imagine a better introduction to teaching for the APP than uh, Alicia was for me. Uh, in the years since, Alicia and I would get in touch pretty regularly, uh, usually to discuss ways we thought we could teach people better or we could build a stronger community. Um, the building community was incredibly important work to her. Uh, she really believed in making people feel included and essential. It, it, it drove her and it inspired me. Uh, in piercing-related things, what I really loved about Alicia was that she and I could disagree, um, yet I always knew our friendship was safe from differences in opinion. Um, I think this was another way that she mentored me, uh, and I think she did this for a lot of people around her. Uh, we could disagree about the details of how to do a piercing better or how to make our community better, but that didn't matter in the end. Those details weren't the important part. Our shared love of our community was never in doubt, and it tied us together. Uh, of course, we were friends, but she was superb at taking a position that was contrary to my own and I love that that never cast a shadow of doubt over our friendship. Uh, we could always leave a conversation like that with a deep respect for each other. Uh, this is not a skill that everyone has. I don't think I have it, uh, but I definitely tried to learn from her example because I, I found it exceptionally valuable to have a, a person like that in my life. Uh, I really treasured my time with Alicia. Uh, one of the last times we got to spend any meaningful time together was in Mexico at the LBP conference. Uh, I was in a tough place at the time. I was exhausted, depressed, anxious. Um, and Alicia kind of knew what I needed from her at that point. <laughs> uh, and we didn't get into the weeds about piercing. What we, what we talked about was being parents and just how much we love our kids. Um, and it's a uh, memory I'll always cherish for the rest of my life. Uh, so uh, I want to say thanks to Ryan for assembling this and including me. Um, my, sincere, my sincere thanks to everyone who's 
able to share their stories of Alicia, uh, whether it be on the podcast or one-on-one. Um, and my love and support goes out to Soul Tribe um, and to all the victims of this terrible tragedy. Uh, the love you brought into this world will never be forgotten. Hi, my name is Gigi Gitz, and I live in Atlanta, and I have a little shop called Colo, and I'm here to talk a little bit about Alicia. Um, I've been trying to figure out how to wrap my head around all of this so that I could communicate in some cohesive manner about how amazing of a person I think that she is. And I've realized that with these circumstances, it's just so crazy and impossible. So I'm just going to give it a go and we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Um, sadly, the last time I hung out with Alicia Lamar and I met up with her in San Francisco and we were meeting for Fakir's memorial, which was amazing. Um, just to see everyone and to see all the pictures and to hear all the stories and the music and it was just so good. Um, and to do it with Alicia and Lamar was even better, even better because they're two of the most incredible people in this world to me. And, um, we just got to hang out for two days and not be at work and not be at APP and not be parents and just be people um, in San Francisco, which is already, that's just such a beautiful city to me. Um, And one of the things is, you know, Fakir was just such an influence for so many of us. And Alicia is also that for so many people in very different ways, but um, in equally as important ways, I believe. And I think the, the biggest thing with Alicia is that she believes in people finding their voice. Um, and I, I feel like her voice, I've always loved her voice. And her face. She's got a really beautiful face. But let me focus on her voice. Her ability to speak with strength and conviction, but with consideration and love and respect um, has always just floored me. Um, I love listening to her teach at APP. I loved how she could say hi and talk to everyone. Um comfortably and with presence like I'm so shy that I can't barely talk to anyone and APP just completely overwhelms me the whole entire time so um always a quality that I have admired so much um when she got me to do that grounding and bedside manner class with her and just kind of threw me into it Um, she was trying to get me to find my voice instead. I was a shit show because I just can't talk in front of a bunch of people. 
But that's okay because I understand what she was trying to do. Um, we all have to find our own voice in order to be able to help others. And I don't know if it really helped me, but I did give it, I gave it a go. Um, I asked her at the end of the class how she does it. And she said, I got so tired of not liking the sound of my own voice that I just had to do it and I had to get over it. And I am still working on this. I think I'm getting better. Not sure. But um, to me, this woman was one of the most beautiful people in the world. And I will always miss her forever, forever and ever and ever. She's the one person that I could talk to about everything. And she's so creative and smart and good and beautiful. And... I know that my family is going to miss her so much. And I know that our industry is going to miss her so much. Um, and if there's anything I can do to help anyone, please let me know. Um, and I think that's about all I can say for right now. Thank you. So this is my tribute to Alicia Cardenas. My name is Jason King from 23rd Street Body Piercing in Oklahoma City. Um, she and I were on the first APP board to complete a term. So it was from 2003 to 2005. And uh, up until then, the APP just hadn't been able to keep a board together. There were so many huge personalities back then that um, just couldn't see eye to eye and couldn't come together on things. So she was part of that first board to ever get through. Um, also, kind of to let you know the time period of things, um, there was still a huge Fakir gauntlet split. So the Fakir side of things was definitely more um, you know, spiritual, more... Um, ritual oriented and the gauntlet side of things was kind of, you know, lifestyle stuff. But, um, for a, a piercer like me out in the middle of no place, they really did sort of, uh, provide a, um, you know, safe, sane, clean piercing, you know, idea. So I sort of came from the gauntlet side of things and, uh, she, Alicia, sort of came from the Fakir side of things. And it was also still a pretty male-dominated dominated industry. There was definitely female piercers around and a few female shop owners, but not many. You know, it came from the Leather Daddy tradition. Uh, there was definitely, you know, some of the lesbian tradition with, uh, with uh, uh, San Francisco, you know, uh, Raylan Galena that kind of stuff, but it was pretty male dominated. So she was this young shop owner from Denver that was coming on on the scene. I sort of remember Beth Rosumsky bringing her kind of to the, to the table. And, um, you know, it was just a breath of fresh air. She was definitely, uh, different than a lot of the industry at that point. So young female shop owner, you know, it was great. It was one of those things. So, um, you know, she was part of giving 
a voice to the new sort of generation of female piercers. You know, Lane Bethred, there was, you know, other, other female piercers um, that were around, but um, they were sort of on the way out, you know. Uh, I think of like Jane and Jeff and Kitten from Aware. They were kind of, you know, phasing out. And really, she was the voice of a new generation of female piercers. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I loved most about her was that she could fiercely disagree with you and still love you at the end. And a lot of people, I think, would get mad and couldn't forgive people. Um, it was such a new industry, and there were so many debates at the time about everything from techniques to materials, you know, freehand versus tools. Um, I remember our biggest argument uh, was over glass. Um, she wanted to use glass in her studios, and I'm a very, um, I guess, science-driven kind of guy. I believe in, you know, the research. And I had done the research for the materials class for the APP um, conference and had done exhaustive research on it. And I didn't feel like the APP could, in good conscience, allow glass for initial piercings. Um, <clears throat> she was president at that point, so it was the second her second uh, board uh, position, and she straight up overrode all the research that I had done and gotten the you know glass as an initial material for the APP list, which you know I was very very against, um, and she knew I was very very against it, but we would still just have drinks and laugh and party. And, you know, it just, it didn't have to be personal. You know, you could, you could have an, an intellectual argument with proof or without it, and we could still love each other at the end of the day. So that's kind of, you know, one of the best things about it. You know, the ability to disagree fiercely, then put it aside and love one another. Um, Alicia, I'm going to miss you, man. I really am. I love you. Bye. Hi, everybody. This is Ryan Willett with another episode of the Piercing Wizard podcast. Today, we're talking to Alicia Cardenas of Soul Tribe in Denver, Colorado. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Alicia. Hi, y'all. My name is Alicia. I have a shop in Denver for, oh, 20 years now. Uh, one called Soul Tribe just opened a second location about a month ago. I've been doing body piercing for a long time, and I'm super passionate about it. So today we're going to talk about kind of a sensitive subject, um, racism and sexism in the professional piercing industry. Uh, like a lot of other areas of life, uh, things can kind of get overwhelmed by the white guy uh, opinion, and I think that really does a disservice to a, a huge portion of our industry and our community. A lot of the people who have been influential on me and a lot of people that I've learned from are women, uh, people of other different races. I've met a lot of different people around the world through my travels, and I think it's really important to uh, not only just respect the contributions, but respect the fact that uh, different opinions really matter, and it's important to wrap all that into your own opinion if you want to really grow as a person, but also as a professional. So uh, as a woman, Alicia, what are some of the, the struggles and, and, and some of the annoyances for you in the industry? 
Well, there's a couple of things, Ryan. I mean, obviously, there's the the interactions I have day to day with clients and what happens within, you know, people walking in the studio. There's what happens within the the personnel of the business. Um, and then, of course, uh, within the industry. So I've had a, a lot of experiences throughout the years within those three different realms, people walking in and getting judged or being treated differently or watching people react poorly to our culture and just a lot of just cultural barriers and lines that have been crossed. And then also being a woman business owner and having a male business owner, a partner that people always talk to um, them first and don't assume that a woman runs a business uh, or that I'm, you know, secondary to a partnership. So there's a, there's a lot of different experiences over the years, you know, um, that have kind of sculpted my view um, and it's been really interesting and something that I've been intrigued by lately is how few people are actually doing body piercing and tattoos that are of color. And um, and this sort of, and of course women as well, uh, it really stuck out to me uh, uh, in 2003 when I was at the piercing conference in Mexico City, for instance, and there was only two women piercers out of 70 male piercers. And that was really interesting to me because um, uh, Mexico sort of mimics us in a little way in that way. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been uh, uh, trials and tribulations. It's been hard to um, to sometimes really understand it. I've had to process a lot of these interactions a lot and, and figure out that a lot of employees don't like to be um, don't like to work, work for women like they have specific issues in and around being told what to do by women. So it's it's interesting, um, and I do see struggles come up here and there. Uh, as the industry has changed, I do see that it's starting to balance out a little better, and it makes me really happy. So I I definitely see uh, a greater female presence in the industry uh, within the last few years. So like now, I feel like uh, you know women are getting more of an equal chance uh, to to share their voice in the industry these days, uh, mostly through the internet. Uh, but I definitely saw kind of a not not really a void, but um, there was definitely a lack of strong female leadership in maybe the last ten to fifteen years previous to that in the industry. When I would go out to conference, the majority of the instructors were men. The uh, majority of the uh, the people from jewelry companies were men. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've definitely started to notice that paradigm shift in the last few years, and I, I really hope I, I start to see it kind of balance out where it's more of a, a 50-50. But um, for for me, it's it's really important just to see different perspectives. Uh, with, with men only in the industry, you're going to get a, a very uh, male-centric point of view, and you really kind of lose out on uh, a lot of the growth uh, in in the industry with, when it's just run by men. I, I think a lot of that comes out of tattooing culture. It does. Uh, it does. Definitely in the, the 70s and 80s, you know, it was close to 100% men. You know, sometimes there were women who could, who could make their mark and, and really make a name for themselves. But for the most part, uh, tattooing was male-dominated, and that kind of... Uh, transferred over into to piercing a little bit. With, with body piercing, I feel like a lot of it comes out of uh, the fetish communities yeah. of the the seventies and eighties, so you would have a little bit more acceptance towards um, towards gay people, towards women, yeah, and it, it, it's a little bit different for our industry. But you still see that that male dominated perspective uh, overall in in body art. Yeah, and thank God for that community because that really busted us wide open and really took us away from the biker ish uh, late seventies mentality that we had sort of that this culture had sort of wrapped around as acceptable. 
like walking into a tattoo shop was going to be a biker dude who was probably going to be a little bit racist, but he was going to be trying some new shit and he was being an artist a little bit. And, and then all of a sudden here comes the body piercers who are like kinky as hell and they want to do some weird shit and they're pretty much open to anybody. And they really, thank God, they really changed the game and they really opened it a whole up to women and to people of color and all types of walks of life. They pretty much said like anything goes. And those two worlds again and again have clashed. I mean, you all know it. And if you've worked in a tattoo and piercing studio or if you've experienced one, you know that there is a very distinct line between traditional old school tattooing and mentality and the newer sort of like evolving piercer who may may be transgender and you don't even know it or may have come from a foster program or, you know, like who knows? Every walk of life have sort of birds, um, body piercers, you know, so thank God for that. And but at the same time, we are still so far off, Ryan. I mean, at conference, we still um, have a majority of, of male educators and we have a lot of, um, you know, we do have some female industry uh, owners like, you know, uh, industrial strength at LLC, you know, a lot of strong female business owners happening in and around our industry, but still very imbalanced. And, and it's still very hard and interesting when I do see an African-American body piercer, like period, you know, like unless you're in another country, it's pretty, it's pretty uncommon. Now, thanks to the, the, the Latin American association and the work that APP did with that, we have had like monstrous numbers in and around the Latin American community coming and supporting our organization and coming up and doing the classes. And then, of course, it's brought a lot of people out of the woodwork that normally wouldn't have felt comfortable coming to conference because they are sort of fringe piercers that are of, um, you know, Mexican descent or Cuban descent or that type of stuff. So um, it's, it's, it's coming alive, um, but it has a lot of work to do. And I'm actually going to do a lecture about it because it's something I'm really passionate about at the APP. It's, it's going to be more of the APP talk style. So it's not going to be really a lot of discussion. It's going to be um, more of a, a piece from my heart, a more of like what a lot of these thoughts put together and expressing like where I think it should go, like what should we done? I mean, and, and how to nurture it the best we can, because you're right. It really richens our experience as piercers. Um, I, my entire career changed after I went down to Latin America and went down to Mexico and did body piercing over there. Like I became a better, thicker, richer, more rounded piercer. And, uh, and I think everybody just wants that. They want to be the best they can at their job. And so having people from different walks of life coming in and expressing themselves and telling their stories of getting pierced when they were two weeks old and, Panama are, you know, they're only going to lead to you having a better empathy and understanding of those things that come your way. Yeah. And, and for any women listening to this that are, that are in the industry or trying to break into the industry, um, I don't want to boil it down to saying grab the opportunity, but I really feel like that's that's what it is. I, I feel like there's a there's a moment right now in the industry where strong female leadership is is needed, um, not just for for females, but for for males also, and for transgender people, and for for really everyone. Uh, I really feel like having only that one male perspective, uh, especially like straight white male perspective, is is really limiting to, to growth overall. So, um, if, if you're a, a, a woman body piercer out there, or if you're transgendered, or if you're of any non-white descent, um, you know, take this as your moment and realize that it's, it's your industry too. Um, don't, don't wait for someone to kind of hand you the opportunity. I, I feel like a lot of people who have been really successful in this industry 
have been the people who have just said, all right, it's, it's my time. I'm going to do this. I want to speak up for the people that I represent, whether it's an age group or an ethnicity group or a gender group or a sexual orientation group or anything. Uh, that's a really important part of the growth of the industry, people who just want to step up into leadership positions. And I would really like to see that from from anyone, really. If you feel like you have a, a strong voice and you have something to share, you know, definitely find an avenue to share it and, uh, you know, come to conference, get involved with the APP, get involved online. And, you know, it's it's really it's really your time. So, you know, take, uh, take the opportunity, you know, alongside of that, Ryan, like I was really having these thoughts for quite a while and really struggling with why more women were in the industry or why more people of color were in this industry or being welcomed into the industry or doing apprenticeships. And so, um, and, and frustrated about that enough in my thoughts that I was like, okay, well, what can I really do? Like, what can I personally do? And, and it totally, like, I can't believe it eluded me for so long, but I was, I have a body piercer that I trained in my studio named Casey. She's worked for the APP. She's a good solid piercer, only been doing it solid for like three years, you know, so still fairly new, um, but really overtrained, like, like super overtrained for my mentality. And, um, and I'm just teaching her more. Like, I'm just getting her as involved as possible because she's in my little microcosm, you know, she's, I'm teaching her a more body mod stuff, uh, more problem solving stuff. I'm teaching her um, to really just uh, as much genitals work as possible. Like we have been blessed with a lot of that work. So I um, I'm really making sure that she is solid in those things that a lot of other people um, are afraid of. You know, and so I feel like it's like if you really feel strongly about it, then you just start really opening your eyes to who's who the possible future you know, leaders and really putting energy into them, taking that extra time and being like, hey, you know, I saw this post that you made and it was really good and I wanted to ask you about it because that's how we're going to get people talking. You know, I think the part the part where we a lot of us feel very privileged in this culture, um, the part that we balance that privilege out with is teaching and integrity. Like we just really pass that on, like those blessings that we have every day. Um, we need to not be afraid to share them. And sometimes teaching somebody is an exhausting process, but we do have to have that next generation on deck and they do have to be conscientious of, of gender and issues around abuse and issues around race and social graces in that realm. And, and the best we can do is, is really dive in with the people in our perimeters. So I have definitely been trying to bring more people into shadow my classes and teaching and I did tell Casey that I'd like her to start doing lectures here in town because I feel like a competent piercer needs to be able to lecture to a medical community about what their craft is. I think that's an important part of this survival of our group. Uh, it's definitely good. I, I like how you bring up shadowing and I think that that's a, a really kind of important untouched subject lately is uh, that it's really important to pass on that knowledge and I think a lot of times people are they're, they're really kind of leaning on online forums, and those are great for people that aren't close to each other geographically. You know, there are people sharing information with others around the world, which is really important. But I think it's equally important to reach out to the piercers, maybe not the ones down the street in your own town. You know, competition is competition. But I think it's important to reach out to piercers who are in your overall region and say, hey, um, I like you. I, I respect you. Uh, come and hang out at the shop, or or let me come and hang out at your shop, and and let's talk. And you know, and don't just have that be, uh, you know, friends. You know, have it, try to reach out to people that uh, that 
are, are kind of newer in the industry and that you don't really have a working relationship with yet. Say, hey, you know, I understand that you've only been piercing for about a year. Uh, you don't have to wait to learn. You know, this is this is when you want that information. You know, the earlier you get information in your career, the better and more rounded you'll be down the road. So, you know, reach out to someone. And especially if you have the opportunity to say, I would love to have you come in uh, as a female piercer, if you feel like you haven't gotten a lot of opportunities, you know, I, I'd like to have you come in. Or, you know, a, as a, a female piercer, uh, I can suggest maybe this other female piercer that, that's in your area for you to go and talk to who's maybe a really strong uh, a strong leader or maybe like a would be a good mentor or role model for you. It's really important to get out there and make those connections. I have to say, on a business owner front, I do look to have balance in my studio of both male and female piercers. So I'm in the process of hiring, and I definitely look for one of each because I do think that we do master our own aspects of our craft based on our position, you know. And I, I really do think that uh, that having that balance available for the customer is important because of what people are feeling comfortable with like that, you know, and so, and the more diversity in the studio is only going to make your vast, you know, your client list grow, you know? Exactly. I mean, you need to be, you need to be inclusive. You need to be, you know, representative of an overall community and not just focused on, uh, you know, white guys. We can really service white guys. Um, so that's going to pretty much get to the end of this podcast. Uh, my name is Ryan Willett, and we've been talking to Alicia Cardenas of Soul Tribe in Denver. Thanks for joining me today, Thanks, Alicia. Thanks, Ryan. Well, uh, we're going to keep going. Um, I like the shout-out to Casey in that, that interview from, uh, from 2016. Uh, and spoiler alert, Casey is going to be the... Uh, the interview that this episode ends with. So please keep listening. Um, so little story is um, when I was moving to my current studio, I was really intimidated by how much work had to be done to the building. It was like due to be condemned. Literally, it was due to be condemned. And I had to put a bunch of work in and I wasn't really sure how to lay it out. And I wasn't really sure how I could like scale up the business to be able to afford that space and all the work that had to go into it and staff and, and everything. And one of the, the people that I would um, talk to when I was in those moments was Alicia because she was such a strong business person and, and mentor to, to me. And, um, someone I really looked up to for, for all of her successes. And, uh, she was like, well, shit, I'll just, I'll just come out there and I'll, I know I'll, I'll do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then I just, I got her a plane ticket and she came out and, um, she, she like helped me work out like the layout of the, the studio and, you know, this should go here and that should go here. And this is what you should think about for the vibe. And then this, you know, this is, you know, and it was a lot of good advice that, uh, that I rolled into the studio and, um, yeah, I've always appreciated that. Um, so we're going to keep going. The The next little uh, audio bit is from Luis Garcia. Then we're going to have one from Caitlin McDiarmid, uh, Dr. Matt Lauder from the UK, Kendra Jane, and then Paul King. And after that will be the third and final interview that I have with Alicia. And we talk about... Pearson Kids, which um, the the day that I'm recording this, that's what I did all day. I pierced little kids um, between like six and ten today. And uh, our interview, like we debate the whole like 
Pearson babies thing. And it was just great because she had her way of thinking. I had my way of thinking. We respected each other and we weren't like, you're wrong. I'm right. It was just like, these are just two different versions of right, you know? So it was, uh, it's one of those good logical conversations as rare as they are these days. Um, so we're going to listen to all that. And then after Alicia's interview, we are going to end the episode with Casey Dilla, uh, Casey from soul tribe. Um, we talk about, well, you'll hear it, but that'll end the episode. So uh, I just want to say, um, thank you now for listening. Um, thank you to everyone who submitted. Uh, I really appreciate the, the strength it took. I know it was difficult. I know it was difficult. Um, and I just appreciate it. Um, I hope that this episode in the future will be something that someone can, can come back to and maybe kind of check in with their thoughts and feelings about Alicia. And, uh, I just really appreciate everyone's participation and I appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. So, uh, let's keep it going. My name is Luis Garcia. I'm a body piercer at 12 Ounce Studios in Brooklyn, New Jersey. And uh, Alicia was a friend of mine for 21, 22 years. Uh, even after this time, it's still sometimes hard to think about her and remember her just, just because I know there won't be any more memories. But the, the first thing I have to say about Alicia is that she, she was one of the most most amazing people I ever met. Uh, she, she she was caring. She was firm. She was just a uh, she was a beacon of light for the industry and obviously her community in Denver. But she, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. She's the one that pushed me to. Uh, run to be on the board of directors for the APP, which uh, I've done several times now. <laughs> and uh, she pushed me to just keep going and to keep learning and just to keep trying to be better and to do better things. I We would travel all over the world together, you know, teaching at conferences and just seeing her in that element and just seeing her share her knowledge so openly and with such caring and love it was always just such an amazing thing and just to to sometimes that you know on nights just like sit and talk with her for hours about everything under the sun in the industry and outside of the industry and it just still i still get emotional thinking about the fact that that's not going to happen anymore I can I could talk for hours about how amazing of a person she was, but I, I think the most important thing that I can relay uh, to anyone in the industry is to just look at someone like that. There's people in this industry like Alicia. Don't take them for granted because you you, you don't know how long they're going to be around, and you don't always have to agree with them. Lord knows, Alicia and I would we disagreed on a lot of things, but. 
you can learn a lot from these people, and I really feel like uh, uh, she, Alicia, didn't get the respect that she deserved for for just being such a strong person. I mean, she's owned her own studio since she was a teenager in the nineties. She was a, a a woman person of color owning a tattoo and piercing studio in the nineties at like 18 or something like what what the fuck like people have trouble doing something like that these days she was doing it back then and she kept on going no matter how many bumps she hit she just kept on going and it was amazing it was an amazing thing to see her evolution and to see where she got and uh I don't know. I don't even know if this will make sense. It's still so hard to process in some ways. But uh, she she was an amazing person. She was a beacon of light for me and for so many people in the industry in the United States and Latin America. I mean, what she did for Latin America. She's pretty much one of the main people responsible for the starting of the LBP, the Latin American Body Piercing Association. And she started it by doing conferences and and APP conferences in Mexico for several years. I think it started in 2005 or 2006. I mean, she was always about sharing knowledge and educating people. And she did it with no ego. Like, she never expected anything in return. The only thing she wanted in return is for the people to just try harder to do better. She was amazing, man. She was amazing, and, and I, I'm, I don't know, I'm still having, uh, obviously having trouble dealing with this, but, and whatever, I'm putting it out to the world, and I'm not embarrassed by it. She, she was an amazing person, and I will miss her so much. Hi, my name's Caitlin McDermott. I'm the administrator for the Association of Professional Piercers. And I was a good friend of Alicia Cardenas. Um, I met Alicia in 2003 when I first started working with the APP. Um, It wasn't really until January of 2004. uh, We were at a board meeting in uh, New Orleans and it was really cold when we were there. Um, We were staying in an apartment and um, Alicia and I were sharing a bed. Uh, because uh, back then the APP didn't have a lot of money and um, it was really cold and so we wound up spooning and um, we wound up talking about our dead moms and uh, we bonded over that we bonded over that mutual loss of our mothers in our 20s and um really kind of, I guess, set a foundation for our friendship, uh, which would continue to grow over the years. In 2005, uh, Alicia uh, was the president um, of the APP, and uh, at conference there was like a political uprising, a piercer political uprising that she had to kind of um, deal with. And um, she was really nervous and I was like her right-hand gal and um, trying to provide support. And she was able to successfully negotiate through that. Um, 
and reach an agreement with everybody and she was really thrilled and we met up after that at the opening party that year and I told her that I felt like a superhero and unbuttoned my pants and showed her that I was wearing my superhero underwear and she screamed and threw her skirt up and showed that she was wearing the same superhero underwear and um you know, there were there there have been these moments uh, with Alicia that um, have really cemented our friendship and our professional relationship together over the years. Um, Alicia was my go-to girl. Uh, she was the person that I said that if I was stranded on a desert island with somebody, um, I would want it to be with Alicia Cardenas because. Uh, I knew that she could keep me warm at night, and um, I knew that she could take care of uh, any of my medical concerns, including sutures, and um, I also knew that she could pray better than anyone I knew. Um, and I knew that because in uh, 2007, when we lost Josh Prentice, in a shooting um, in Atlanta when we were down there for a board meeting uh, we were all woken out of a dead sleep um, with the news and Alicia gathered us together and um, immediately started praying, praying to the ancestors and praying to the gods and the goddesses that Josh would get through it and that Josh would be without fear no matter what and while Josh didn't live and survive that experience um, Alicia was really there for all of us in that moment. Um, she became the person that I reached out to when uh, family members were sick or family members were in crisis or when we lost somebody. She was the person that I would go to and talk to and she would shore me up. So losing her, of course, has been really difficult because not only was she one of the brighter spots on this planet, but um, she isn't here to help me through it, to help me through this loss. And this loss has been devastating. Um, Alicia always, uh, said what was on her mind, and, um, it was always, um, as close to the truth as she could get to it, and a lot of people didn't like it, um, but she never stopped, and I never stopped admiring her for being that person in our industry, um, I will really miss my friend Alicia. Um, we grew as mothers together. I was a stepmom and she was a new mom. And she helped take care of my stepson when he was on the streets in Denver. And he actually lived with her for a time. And I considered her 
my mother, and I considered her my sister, and I considered her my daughter. And her loss is just so unfathomable, and the way we lost her is so horrible. Um, anyone that got to know her knew what an amazing person she was. She was not without flaws. She and I used to get into it all the time um, when she was my boss, even though I was kind of her boss. Um, but she was also brilliant and amazing and shepherd so many of us through grief and loss taught us how to grieve and lose people yeah I'm gonna miss her I'm gonna miss her a lot so I only got to meet Alicia once in person um It was at the Brighton Tattoo Convention uh, a few years ago now, many years ago now. Um, She was working a booth with some friends of mine, um, Claire and Marissa. And I spent that weekend um, just spending time with her, hanging out, you know. Like, it was amazing because I go to that convention very often and I know a lot of people there and it's a great chance for me to kind of chat to people I already know. And it's rare that I spend time meeting new people with such kind of immediacy and in such depth as as what happened when I met Alicia um we just sort of clicked instantly you know as human beings there's a great photo that Marissa took that she was kind enough to send me recently of her and I sitting on the floor I think probably on the bar or or in one of the kind of corner spaces in the convention center where the uh, tattoo convention was held and we we're just sort of deep in conversation and um that's really what I remember about that weekend just sitting with her and listening and learning and sort of setting the world to rights really um talking about the past and the future of tattooing and everything that's great about it and everything that was wrong with it um as far as we were concerned at least and yeah we just had this instant instant connection we shared a birthday which was fun um you know we had the set we born on the same day and it was just kind of I don't know she was one of those people that just had so much empathy and warmth and kindness uh that even though i'd never met her before within a couple of minutes of meeting her we were kind of deep in this really um beautiful and 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 sincere and interesting conversation and and that yeah that's that's really what stands out to me about her and what i'm gonna i'm gonna miss so much about about you know what the world will lack with her not being in it anymore um uh, what well, at the convention uh, I'm, I'm i'm friends with alex binney the, the 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 tattooer kind of veteran tattooer if you want to use that term and alicia was a, a big fan of his she she really respected him and and the role he'd played in tattoo history and so i introduced her to him and him to her and um he tattooed her um he, he tattooed her body that weekend and it was really cute because alicia was so kind of starstruck initially and so kind of you know just gleefully excited to meet him that she asked him if um she could tattoo him in return and of course like he great gracefully and 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 happily accepted and so she got to tattoo him in return tattoo this kind of 
you know legend icon of the tattoo world and Alicia, you it was so obvious that that meant so much to Alicia um to be part of connected to the the histories and the and the and the present of of these mad worlds that we live in you know and the tattoo community if you want to call it that is a strange and diverse and not always entirely positive place but Alicia was at the center of a beautiful kind warm delightful respectful interested sincere part of of the world and uh, and i she's she's she was the best of it us you know um if if more people were like her the world would be a much better place and um i'm really really gonna miss her i feel like i'm someone that often has a lot of words to say and for once i'm having a really hard time finding any words to say when I was asked to say something about Alicia, it was important for me to, to be able to pass on what an influence she had. Alicia, you were a goddess among mortals. You smashed archaic philosophies to build them anew. You fought for the small and forgotten people. And in losing you, we take on this duty. You were the most ferocious warrior I've ever known. And it was felt in everything you did. And the ripples of your loss are still being felt worldwide. I hope that we can take those small ripples and turn them into waves. May the candles we light for you today ensure that your fire burns forever. Rest in power. We love you. I've been asked to introduce myself. My name is Paul King. I've been a body piercer since 1991. I currently own a piercing and tattooing shop called Cold Steel in San Francisco, California. I'm the founder and chair of the Body Piercing Archive, and I've been the board appointed treasurer for the Association of Professional Piercers also known as the APP, since 2008. I'm hoping that others have been asked to speak about Alicia as a mother, mentor, spiritual warrior, and a most intimate friend. I'm going to share my experience of Alicia as a respected and cherished peer. Alicia came into the body art industry in 1994. She became a business owner in 1996 when she opened Twisted Soul with Mike Nichols and then later Soul Tribe in 2009. She had been an APP member since 1999, the same as me. I first met Alicia at an APP conference in Las Vegas. I can't tell you which year, but it's certainly been over 20 years. We would have met at the first year we both attended. Conferences were small then, and Alicia stood out. Her energy was infectious, and we both shared similar passions of travel and anthropology. She, Erica Skadson, and I even co-taught an anthropology class at conference in 2002. Also in uh, 2002, she wrote her first article for the Point Journal, which is the APP's magazine. The article titled Bloodletting explored the traditional indigenous rituals of sacrifice throughout Central and North America. Over the years, she wrote many articles for the journal. 
2002 was a busy year for us. We were both elected to the same APP board on which we both completed our three-year term in 2005. She served as international liaison, reaching out to the piercing communities around the world. This was the time we became close. Serving on the board can sometimes create a special bond through eating, travel, uh, brainstorming, problem solving, and sweating. We did both love a good temescal. All these things Alicia and I shared a love for. From 2005 to 2008, she was again elected to the board of directors. This time she was president. I won't sugarcoat it, that board was a shit show. Uh, but Alicia did the best she could with the wild cards she was dealt. Including during this time, she was instrumental in bringing the first APP conferences to Mexico, out of which several other sister nonprofit organizations have grown to reach thousands of Latin American piercers, spreading better information as well as building community. We're fortunate to have her legacy of articles and columns that she wrote for the Point Journal. In addition, we can gain insight into Alicia by listening to her 2016 audio interviews with Ryan Ouellette and reading her 2018 interview for issue 82 of The Point by her apprentice, Casey Hosh. One of the many things I respected most about Alicia was that she was fearless when publicly pointing out bullshit. Even with sensitive topics that often go unchallenged, like cultural appropriation or cults of personality, as far back as 2006, she was quick to eloquently point out these subjects were complicated and deserved nuanced discussions, not sound bites and hashtags. Normally, when I speak publicly, I avoid uh, provocation, but in the spirit of Alicia, fuck that. I'm angry. I'm really angry. On December 27th, 2021, Alicia and others were violently hurt and ripped from our lives. The ethos of this country, our collective steadfast commitment to fantasies of individualism, exceptionalism, racism, as well as patriarchal religiosity and misogyny, mass produces pathology. So many in this country are unable to face their underlying fears and inadequacies, but instead grasp for a gun, self-medicating like an alcoholic for a drink, and they lash out. Yeah, I've accepted that I continue to choose to still live and fight in this country that offers up its children and most loved ones a sacrifice for our particularly fucked up fantasy of freedom. But don't get it twisted. My acceptance doesn't mean I think it's right, and it doesn't mean I don't grieve, and it certainly doesn't mean I don't fight. Acceptance simply means I acknowledge what is. And what is certainly is that we've lost a fantastic human being that made this world a better place. Let's do what Alicia would do. Let's pick ourselves up and continue the fight for our vision of how we want to treat each other and how we want to honor this earth.
Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Piercing Wizard podcast. My name is Ryan Willett. I pierce at Precision Body Arts in Nashua, New Hampshire. I'm an APP member. And on the podcast today, I have another APP member, Alicia Cardenas from Denver, Colorado. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Alicia. Hi, I'm Alicia. I have a shop in Denver, a longtime APP member and super advocate for all different stuff (laughs) piercing related. So today we're going to be talking about kind of a sticky subject, and that's piercing kids. And I don't mean piercing 10-year-olds. We're talking about piercing babies, toddlers, infants, little kids. Um, That's really kind of taboo for some piercers, I think. And then other piercers, it's just um, they're they're totally comfortable with it. And I I feel like it, it really varies a lot. I don't think there are a lot of people who are on the fence where, you know, Sure, sometimes I'll pierce a baby, and other times I won't pierce a baby. I think it's really, you know, black and white one way or the other, like, yes, I will, or, or no, I don't feel comfortable with it. I would definitely fall on the no, I'm not comfortable with it. As far as babies and, and toddlers go, I, I'll pierce young children, you know, as young as maybe six, uh, as long as they can talk to me and tell me, yes, I would like my ears pierced. Uh, younger than that, and I really don't feel comfortable with it. What's what's your opinion on the subject, Alicia? Well, Ryan, you know, we're longtime friends, but I come from a totally different position, but I totally respect your position. You know, I think that your position is the majority of piercers out there that are seeking a professional career in a professional body, stu- body art studio. So I, I totally... Um, respect that and I see that. I come from a different place where my culture sort of uh, dictated that I could do body piercing um, on small children and babies and I didn't know that it was a problem really for anybody until way later (laughs) after I had already been doing it comfortably for a a long time. And I believe in all the things that people are saying about consent but because I was pulled into piercing babies in the late 90s for family members as like, a, you're a piercer, why wouldn't you pierce your niece or nephew or cousin or anybody who is, you know. And in the Latin American, Mexican-American um, community, uh, that is a commonplace. So me and my other piercer, James Maldonado, we started doing it and we didn't really know that there was a problem. <laughs> and then the piercing community was like, hey, this is a consensual issue. And we're still of the of the belief that, you know, our family and our, our mother makes a lot of decisions and consents for us at uh, at the young age. And that this is one of those things that is uh, is in the parents hands and, and that they um, are making good decisions by their kid. I mean, I've come up against a lot of opposition about this, but this is just where I come from. So, um but, you know, moreover than my stance, because a lot of people will argue with me about my stance, and, and I, I do think it's a conversation worth having, but what I really want to focus on, um, Ryan, is if everybody is of the belief that we're not going to do this, and when people are going to get sent to the mall, and yada, 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 which is heartbreaking for us, I just would like to see that the community be a little bit more open-minded and less judgmental of those parents that ask for this procedure. You know, see, I I definitely wouldn't consider myself to be judgmental. Uh, There are lots of things, you know, people walk through the door and ask for all kinds of things that I say no to. And piercing infants is definitely one of those things where I try to I try to go into it from a place of understanding. And I say, all right, I I completely appreciate the fact that body piercing can be uh, a spiritual, cultural, significantly important thing to to a family, and a lot of a lot of little kids grow up, and they love the fact that they have their ears pierced from a from a young age. So I completely respect that. I don't look at it in the same way when when people come in and they ask for, 
horizontal tongue piercings or something else that I, I feel like isn't great to do as a responsible piercer, I, I look at that and I say, no, I'm not going to do that because of safety reasons. When it, when it comes to a little kid, I say, I don't personally feel comfortable with it, oh, but right. at the same time, I respect your decision and I respect your rights as a parent to, to do that if you feel like it's culturally appropriate for you, but my personal comfort level as a piercer would be no. I would strongly urge you to wait until they're old enough to make that decision on their own, and then I would be happy to perform it for you at, at even a fairly young age. But I don't know. If it's if it's for me, it's just a, a comfort level. You know, I feel like if I had had my ears pierced when I was a baby, I maybe would have grown up to uh, resent or regret that, even though I chose piercing for myself at a at a later age. Yeah, and honestly, that I think that you are the minority. I think that you approach that perfectly great. Like that's that would be an acceptable interaction to me. You're not the person. You're not the piercer I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about, and there's a lot of rhetoric on the Facebook and all that about this being a an issue of abuse. Like I think there's a there's a really you know. Uh, there's a lot of variables there. There's a lot of gray between it goes from, uh, you know, an innocent cultural mo- uh, movement to, uh, you know, abusing children by getting their ears pierced when they're that young. You know, like, I just think we need to tread really lightly and be a little bit more considerate that there is uh, there's other elements involved, you know, and um, and not all of it. It can be chalked up to this is some vain mom who wants her baby to look like a girl and have all these like accessories like. Well, see, that's that's kind of the problem for for cultural perspective for you. Um, you know, if you're seeing people that are maybe in your, uh, you know, ethnic cultural group or in your personal family or in your, your friend circle or your clientele circle, you might be seeing it as more of a positive, cultural, significant kind of thing. But for me, that, that I feel like that's more what I see. When people come in or when people contact me, it, they, they're going at it from more of a perspective of fashion accessory. And I, I, I can't get behind that. If someone contacted me and said, you know, uh, my mother had her ears pierced when she was a child. I had my ears pierced when I was a child. I would like to have my child's ears pierced now. I can look at that and say, all right, I, I understand your motivation for it and I respect that, but a personal preference, I have to decline. What I, you know, I absolutely 100%, I think what I'm trying to say right here is I support people's ability to say no to any sort of variable that doesn't make them comfortable. But the manner in which you say no is an opportunity to educate. It's an opportunity exactly. to lay out the foundation for what might be a better scenario for everybody involved. Now, that being said, I've seen more ear infections in a five-year-old than I have in a six-month-old or a four-month-old, just saying, yeah. <laughs> because they don't have the behavioral aspects down of healing, healing a piercing and not touching it and not letting other people touch it and all these other things that we educate body piercing to be about. So in my practice, I have very strict guidelines about what I will and will not do and who I will and will not do in the manner in which I do them. And I think that intention makes all of the difference. I think nobody wants to pierce a screaming, crying baby. So guess what, Ryan? I never pierce a baby that's screaming or crying. They have to be calm. They have to be that, you know, ready to go on the bottle and be calmed right away. I can guarantee you my piercing procedure is less traumatic than a a vaccination or some sort of small swabbing of the back of the throat that happens for kids all the time. So I think that everybody just needs to like really try and be 
um, a little bit better with their wording and approach and judgmental aspects um, to the people, because I've heard so many people being treated badly who are looking for this service. I mean, literally treated like with such disrespect. I get that well, side I'm of it. I'm talking about people going into a piercing studio and being asking for body piercing for their child and having a piercer verbally assault them. Oh no, that's that's what I mean. When when a when a piercer looks at it as child abuse yeah. rather than than a professional service, and I I totally I, I completely get and, and and value what you're saying. A lot of it is really the way that you handle the entire experience, and and you got to separate yourself from. I agree with your decision, yes or no, and you have to kind of look at the overall experience. Yeah, and like I said, I would just really like to see people use the phrases like, you know, I will try and, you know, maybe I can help you find somebody who will do it. It's just not, I'm something I'm not comfortable with, but I totally see why you would be coming to this studio to get it. I mean, we need to be encouraging people to get professional body piercing. You know, we need to not be sending them to the mall. Uh, Exactly. We need to take that moment, like... I would love to do this. Now is not the time, but I would love to tell you why you should wait. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, I have like a frequently asked questions, you know, we'll pierce this age. We don't pierce at this age. And then for the, you know, we don't pierce infants or toddlers. There's a, another APP member studio about an hour south of me that, that is comfortable doing it. So I put it right there on my website. You know, it's a, it's a personal preference. Uh, if you still want to have this service done professionally, you can go to this studio that meets the same standards that we meet, and I'm comfortable sending you there. I'm just not personally comfortable performing it myself. So I'm going to give you all the information. Part of that information is going to be, you know, really try to avoid the mall for, for this reason. You know, they don't have sterilization facilities and yada, yada, yada. But if you really want to choose to have this done, here is a safe avenue for you to be able to have it done. I'm not going to put them down and say, you're a terrible parent. I'm going to call the cops on you. I'm going to just give them an alternative because if they want their kid's ears pierced, whether they're trying to do it themselves or they're going to a doctor or they're going to a mall or they're going to a professional body piercer of whatever skill level, they've already made the decision to have their kid's ears pierced. You really just want to get them in the safest environment possible. Hey, oh, um, you're back. Okay. Since we, uh, I, I do want to say that there is going to be a class at APP talking about some of the procedural elements of doing young people, and also um, uh, there is a, some other parts of the APP conference that are going to address this. Yeah, and I'm available also to talk, and I can. I have a pretty extensive procedure and guidelines in around my procedure, so anybody who's interested can also contact me. So how would people find you online if they wanted to? Um, to Soul Type Tattoo is going to be my the website I'm listed on, as well as uh, Gmail, Soul Tribe, S-O-L-T-R-I-B-E, at Gmail. That will find me as well. All right. So uh, this has been Ryan Willett from Precision Body Arts in Nashville, New Hampshire, and Alicia Cardenas of Soul Tribe in Denver, Colorado. We're both APP members, and we both love body piercing. Thank you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Piercing Wizard podcast. I didn't. I. I don't want to do any sort of like a welcome to the Piercing Wizard, blah 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 thing, you know, because like it. I just wanted to talk a little bit about Alicia. Um, it's. It seems like the the overall theme is like I loved her. She was amazing, but she was such a pain, pain in the ass kind of a thing. Like <laughs> yeah. it's so. Uh, it was great. I. I guess the. The only question that I would want to ask you to like kind of start it is what is your earliest memory 
of Alicia? Like how you met her? Were you a client first or like, how did you, how did you meet Alicia? That's perfect. That's exactly what I needed. Um, so my mom actually took me to get my filtrum pierced at Twisted Soul when I was 17 years old because I had gotten straight A's on my report card. And so that's what uh, my reward was. And um, I just knew that I wanted to go to the coolest spot in town. And yeah, we just, we went in, filled out all the paperwork and Alicia pierced me. And um, I think I remember it most just cause it really fucking hurt. Mm. <laughs> that little spot definitely feels like you get punched in the face, but um, that was the first interaction I had with her. And it wasn't until I was a little bit older cause I was 17 then. And I started working at the hair salon that was right next door to Twisted Soul when mm -hmm. I was about 20, 21 years old. And I had, um, at that time, I wasn't making the best decisions with my life, nor was I rolling in the dough, but I, I'll never forget the, the main one, like I knew she owned the tattoo shop next door. And of course I was like, oh, those are the fucking cool kids. I really want to hang out with them. And, um, I had these really old anti-brow piercings, which surprisingly are still open to this day. And I had some bullshit in there. I think I was trying to like, it was not at all body jewelry. It was just some bullshit that I had in my face. And she came up from downstairs after working with Jenilise and she, she just fucking glared at me. And she was like, pretend you don't work next to the best tattoo shop in all of Denver. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so fucking scared. <laughs> it's terrifying. Um, but then of course I did not take that as an invite. I took it as a, Oh God, I can never go in there. And I immediately took that bullshit out of my face and then just kind of left it at that. Um, I didn't really get more piercings from her until I was here apprenticing under her. Um, but yeah, those, so, so the 17 year old lip piercing and then, um, just working next door to Twisted Soul was kind of how I even got my foot in the door with her period. Um, I answered a, this, this will date this. Um, I answered a MySpace post. Nice. That Alicia said she was looking for an apprentice. And um, yeah, at that time I was, I think I started, I started in May of 2010 and I think, February of 2010 was when I got clean from some of the real bad things I was doing in my life. So mm -hmm. um, it was super important to me to get this apprenticeship because I finally had something that was like worth losing. And I really think that that's helped me stay away from, I mean, you know, I still do shit, I still smoke weed, but um, it's, it's, it was a big thing that helped me you know, not get back into drugs real hard. So it's important for so many reasons, but that was like the, the beginning of our, of our time together. And we have such a not normal relationship, she and I, <laughs> um, to the point where I had to remember that when it, when it came to me, like managing here, I had to remember that Alicia and I had a really weird special relationship and that that can't be expected of every person you meet and um 
yeah, pain in the ass for sure. You know, that's, that's not something, I mean, if you know, Alicia, you know, that's true, but it's, you know, it's also human, right? Who of us are not a pain in the ass sometimes? Well, I think she was a pain in the ass in a, in a beneficial way. Um, I don't, I don't think, um, I don't think I've ever had someone that I would put in the close friend category, um, call me out on my bullshit quite so frequently, you know? So (laughs) like, she was like a very important person to a lot of people for that, like truth to power, cutting through bullshit, letting you know when you had your own head up your ass kind of a thing. Like that's, that's what Alicia was really good with. So, um, yeah. Yeah. But before we get too far into it, I forgot to have you introduce yourself. Oh, so I wanted to yes. introduce yourself. Um, I'm Casey. I am a piercer and I manage Soul Tribe in Denver. And I've worked under Alicia and with Alicia and for Alicia for this May would have been 12 years. I um I don't know if it was right when you started with her, but I remember having conversations, um, maybe not explicitly about you, but about Alicia's, um, I have a new apprentice. I'm training a new apprentice. This is what I'm training my new apprentice, all the, all these different conversations. And, um, I could tell that it wasn't just, I hired some kid off the street. You know, I, and I know that she, she really connected with you. And I think that she would have to, to really be able to trust somebody enough to, to put you in a position that you, you ended up in, you know, like managing someone's studio, that's not just like a a part-time thing. So um, it was always kind of thinking about the two of you in the, in the same kind of space, talking about you in the same kind of breath and and all that stuff. So um, when I, when I thought about trying to put this episode together, you were the first person I wanted to talk to get your thoughts on it and your input. And um, I really appreciate you talking to me about it because I can't imagine, I can't imagine the scenario. It's pretty wild. Um, It comes in waves real hard for sure. Um, But I I don't really know what I'm going to do. I don't, my goal right now is just to keep the shop going because I know she wouldn't want this to be the end of Soul Tribe. So, um, you know, thinking about a week ahead of time is all I really got right now, but I just don't want this to be, she would not be okay with this, like her legacy ending because of, of this fucking piece of shit dude that decided to come in and ruin all of our lives. Um, But yeah, I mean, fuck, Ryan, she gave me, she gave me the life that I wanted. She, she gave me everything that I wanted for, you know, um, I knew I wanted to be in this industry and I still to this day am like, why did I get it over other people? You know, and with her passing, definitely there's a lot of guilt, um, but I know, and I know that's ridiculous. That's just something that I think naturally happens with grief. But um, I'm fucking, I'm glad. I mean, I have 
this and I will always have her. She's not gone. I can feel her right now. <laughs> she's with every decision that I make. Fucking she's my cheerleader and biggest critic, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I just really want to try and keep the shop going. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to think about. I mean, she was such a force, such a presence, you know, and this is her baby. And now there's two white books in charge of things. And, um, I think about that a lot and making sure that I uplift her and being a woman of color, being a woman, being indigenous. Um, that's probably the scariest thing is, is making sure that I, that Kevin and I fucking handle that accordingly. You know, it's different now. And that's super important. So yeah, just trying to trying to keep the shop going. Um, it's doing good. Vibra vibrations are high enough. Um, I think everyone does really good being around each other and kind of like back into a normal routine. But it's weird. I mean, I sit in this office four days, five days out of the week, and uh, this is where it fucking happened. <laughs> in this room right here and it feels comforting in a sense because I feel like they're still here I mean I know this episode is about Alicia but losing Alyssa too is I mean she was it was like Alicia is at the top of the pyramid and then it was Alyssa and I and Alyssa was helping me run the place um Alicia was spending a lot more time away in Mexico and doing some cool shit and just that it was the three of us and um it's a fucking double whammy for sure to lose them both kevin's doing really good but it's it's uh this is hard it feels it feels so out of control i don't got about a week up in front of me and that's about all i can do <laughs> at this point yeah well I, I don't think anybody would expect anything more. And it's really just, it's, it's that feeling of when you're, when you're in a shop and you have a long-term staff, it really becomes that kind of familiar, familial environment. Yeah. And I think that that's the important thing to focus on anyway, is just the, the people that make soul tribe and not yeah. the business. Yeah. You know, I, I think the business, is so established that I think it'll, it'll take care of itself in a way. And I don't want to minimize it, uh, yeah, how I difficult it'll be, but you know, I think the people within those walls is the, the most important thing to focus on. Yeah, that's, um, that's what I, that's what I'm doing over here. Um, you know, the, 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 for lack of a better term, the key players in this, it's definitely like Kevin and I are handling the business and, Tess and some other, um, you know, close personals are handling the family life and uh, we're all just fucking trying to show up, you know, um, yeah. Alicia, Alicia, I mean, I know some of the coolest people on the planet because of her. Um, she definitely assembled a fucking team of people who have shown up to, to take care of literally, you know, everything involving what it takes to take care of her kid 
her, um, you know, Russell and she and Russell weren't together, but they were life partners in a sense, you know, and um, yeah, we're just trying to hold it down, trying to hold it down for everyone, check on everyone, you know, Soul, Soul Tribe had, had written a core values document a couple years ago, and it was really, really focused on self-care mm-hmm. and not just working yourself to death and, and not, and, and making sure that you are respecting yourself. And so I think everyone's really trying to do that right now, really trying to make sure that like, yeah, we got to work, but not overdo it. Like, Hey, I'm a little more sensitive right now. And your request is unreasonable. <laughs> just, you know, yeah. little things like that. So it's, um, it's trying. And I, I feel what you're saying. Like, I, I know the shop is established, but it's just, and maybe it's just because it's so fucking fresh. It's so soon. It's been a little over a month and um, it just feels really, it just feels kind of lost. feels just like I can't grab onto anything. Totally out of control. I don't feel like anything's in my control right now. And that sucks. <laughs> Yeah. Being such a control freak, that really fucking sucks. But everyone's doing all right, I guess. I mean, as all right as they can. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy no one has left. I mean, I would not have at all been surprised um, for a couple of employees to want to leave after this, but everyone's still here, and I think that's beautiful. No one left. Well, I, I I couldn't imagine. Ugh, I don't even know what I what I'm trying to say, but I just you know I just want you to know that I, I'm I'm hearing everything you're saying, and you know I I really feel for you, and um, I think a lot of other people do too because it was kind of a it was one of those beacon shops, one of those shops where if somebody would talk about doing a guest spot there, it would be like holy shit, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a guest spot at Soul Tribe, you know? Yeah. It wasn't just like a oh yeah, you know whatever. Um, you know, it's, it was just really, uh, you know, what Alicia created, what the staff created, uh, was really just one of those, it was the shop, you know? Yeah. The goal was for the people. And right now that's what helps keep me going is knowing that what we do here is magic and, and however you want to take that in. Um, and sometimes healing something physically can really help heal things, um, spiritually, mentally. And, um, it has felt good piercing people again, you know, we were closed for a little bit of time. Um, but I was missing that routine pretty hard. Um, the routine and, and getting back to what I fucking begged her to teach me to do. (laughs) I fuck that. I was relentless when, um, when that post came up about her wanting an apprentice, I just did not say, I did not let her say no. I call, yeah. you know how hard she is to get in touch with sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking called, I emailed, I kept calling. And um, I really feel like that interview would have lasted a lot longer than an hour had she and I both had that time. But yeah, I mean... I'm doing it for her. I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it for our people here. 
And I think that's a lot of people's like feeling about it is, yeah, we're hurt and trying to heal too, but we got to help the community. Yeah. Self-care in the community. The shop is designed to be for the people, you know, mm-hmm. not just selling that killer fucking $500 piece of gold. Um, you know, she wanted those things too, but she also had an eye for, you know, the fucking train hopper punk rock kids that only got 20 bucks and they want to get something done. And, you know, we would make that happen. Um, so yeah, we're just trying to get back to it. Well, uh, you know, I know that you're going to have a lot of support. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't want the community to forget just everything, you know, it, yeah. everything. Um, is there anything you want to add? Is there anything that you can think of maybe like a nice memory, a, a nice um, interaction or even just something funny where she just chewed somebody out or is there anything <laughs> else you want to throw onto it? Yeah, I'll go ahead and share this story. Um, you know, Alicia and I, so uh, fun- funnily is not a word, but surprisingly enough, um, Alicia's tattoo apprentice is also named Casey. Mm-hmm. And when we, um, I vetted Casey pretty hard to get her in here. And, and when Alicia and I were talking about, you know, the industry needing a real big change, um, you know, we talked a lot about what apprenticeships would mean and how that should change and how things should be a little more accessible and how, you know, the days of doing free labor are over because, mm-hmm. I mean, inflation period. But um, we spent a lot of time talking about things like that and how, you know, like, yes, there's an expectation and loyalty is a huge factor in that kind of thing, but also people will do and, and be and go do whatever they want to do. But it always came back to this one story about how um, she knew that I was going to be a lifer and a lifer, at least with her for, you know, however long. And it was because right after, um, right after her kid was born, she got mastitis, which is um, a uh, milk duct infection. Mm-hmm. And she was in so much pain and, you know, I didn't, hadn't known her personally for that long, maybe like it, maybe like a year or even less. And she called me in tears. She was in so much pain and I was just like, okay, I'm coming over. didn't know what to do. And we were fucking hot compressing her fucking boob. <laughs> I squeezed infection out of her titty. And, nice. um, and I, that's kind of, she always led me to believe that that's when she really knew that like, we had a strong connection, a strong relationship and, um, you know, that loyalty factor for sure. Um, and we did a lot of fun stuff. We did a lot of things outside of the shop that was really nice too. Um, because like, yes, you have your work friends and I think work friends are true friends. I think that you make some lifelong connections there, but, um, it was super nice to go to a show with her and we like, you know, a lot of the same music and we would go to shows, really expensive shows just to see the opening band and, um, you know, things like that. And 
just overall, I just really fucking miss her. I even miss the arguments, you know, I miss, I miss disagreeing about things and, and growing together and, and laughing and just working. We liked to work and that was awesome. And it's going to be weird. It has been weird, but you know, I don't know what else to do besides do it. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's all anybody can do really is, you know, the cliche of it's just one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. That's super true. But yeah, she's, uh, she's going to be missed. It's, 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 it's like, it's weird around here, but it's not, but it is, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And our clients have been really awesome, but you know, then there's the ones that come in that, you know, like they've, they've been getting tattooed by Alicia, her entire tattoo career. And you know, being, trying to hold space for them to come in and be here and and have a meltdown. And, um, it's just, it's different. It's a little different right now is all. Yeah. But I'm trying to summon her. Um, it's been a little interesting. I have had one dream, only one dream and that stresses me out too because i'm like bitch get like where's my dream where are my instructions what the fuck what am i am i what am i supposed to be doing like give me give me my fucking come to me moment um but i have had one dream about her so far and it was um like it was a total i remember it was a total casual setting and i was just like so what you're fucking tattooing over here too like what's going on what are you doing and she was like, yeah, you know me, just fucking working. And I just remember a bunch of papers everywhere, kind of disheveled, because as organized as she is, she's also extremely unorganized. And I thought it was really funny that in the dream, um, her papers were kind of everywhere. And I was like, ah, messy over here too, huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm just trying to be patient and wait. I'm you know, sure she's got a lot of shit to do. And um, I know she'll come to me when she needs to, but I do desperately want that. I do like want to have just one more little moment, you know, attended and and participated in a lot of ceremonies and in so many things, but you know, that's always a whole group of people and I just want like you know an opportunity to say goodbye I guess um I'm not exactly sure what her family is planning but from what I understand there will be a service when the weather in Colorado is nicer Mm. and we can have a big enough you know venue or outdoor space or something like that for people to come to a um not viewing but uh you know, uh, like a memorial service. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Memorial service. Yeah. That kind of thing. So I will make sure that, um, that information gets out. Cause I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to want to travel yeah. to do that. So, um, as soon as I have that information, I'll get it to you too. So you can please. Yeah. And I'm, that I'm, on the podcast as well. Yeah, Cause I want sure. everyone to have an opportunity, you know, it's, I understand a lot more, 
death is one of my earliest memories, uh, you know, involving my family, but like in this adult life and this here and now it's, it's just so I fully understand why people have viewings and why those get togethers are just so important because that is people's opportunities to try and get a little closure and say goodbye and, um, anything that they, you know, they want to say. So yeah, I'll get that information to you when I have it. Well, uh, I really appreciate you taking time. I know, I don't think I can ever really fully understand how difficult this must be for you to talk about, but I really appreciate you making the time to, to talk yeah. about it and, and hear it. I just hope it helps. I really do. You know, when you said that, that you thought it would help people heal, like that's all I hope for too. Um, you know, the city felt pretty sad and relentless. I feel like shit just keeps fucking piling on and happening, especially on our, on our little strip um, of Broadway here. But yeah, I just hope it helps. Talking about it seems to help too. You know, yeah. it's, it's more like talking shit, but in a good way, you know, like just mm -hmm. talking about her and like, I'll see her tomorrow and <laughs> that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm happy to. Thank you. I'm sorry it took so long. <laughs> can't wait to hear it. I can't right. wait to hear what everyone else said. I'm sure it's it's a whole lot. But um, yeah, fucking rest in peace, power, everything. Alicia and Alyssa, fuck, I miss them so much. We all miss them so much. It's true. All right, Casey, you take care of yourself, okay? And reach out anytime, okay? Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Uh, I just want to say thanks again for uh, putting up with me and, and dealing with another Piercing Wizard podcast. Uh, this is Ryan Willette, and with me today was Alicia Cardenas. You're a wizard. You're a shaman. <laughs>